What's going on? This is the man of the hour, Leo Rush, and you are now listening to Matt Madness Podcast. They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host for tonight, Alo Aaron Lloyd. I'm joined by my best friend, Act 2 Flight, Eric Trembicki, and we have a special guest on the show tonight. He's he's not that much busy anymore because this pandemic. Rolex ten, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Rolex <laughs> Rolex wearing, Tinder swiping, Richie Edge. I'm welcome off to the show, Richie. You're off Tinder. I'm oh. off Tinder. There's no point to be on it. Oh well, Richie, Can't welcome back to anybody. Richie. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, glad to be here. <laughs> All right, so before we get into the advertised content, which is ECW Barely Legal 1997, a uh, quick couple things. Uh, rest in peace, Fink. Uh, as you know, I'm a huge Fink Mart. Oh, that's, that's right. It, it, it was a tough thing to swallow, but he was kind of one of those passings that you were kind of waiting for, for me, personally, because you already knew he, that he wasn't in good health over the past at least right. maybe year or so. So you guys already know I'm a, I'm a big mark for, for Howard Finkel. He's one of the only... Ring announcers actually have a character, which was always right. Perfect, perfect comedic timing and everything. How, any thoughts well, about Howard Finkel for you guys? Well, yeah, yeah. A matter of fact, if you really look at his, I'm wondering if I should go down a dark road with this. So, like, he was taken advantage of. He should have never been replaced. Oh no, no, definitely. He should have never been replaced, and since he was so loyal to WWF, they took advantage of him, they made fun of him. If you watch that clip from, I think, like a 99 or 2000 Raw where where Howard Finkel got fired on Raw, and he goes up to Vince as Vince is about to get in his limo and says, Vince, I just want to tell you it was a pleasure working for you, all this stuff, and I cherish my time here, all this stuff, and Vince just looks at him and says, Get the hell out of my face. <laughs> and, but that's really the way they looked at him. Like, he was just like, they they would make fun of him and all this stuff. And it's a shame. But that's that's Vince. If you if you like him, he don't like you. <laughs> if you don't if you don't like him, then they pay you millions. Right. So Fink just uh best there is, best there was, best there ever will be when it comes to a ring announcer. Um at this point, they should just retire the Intercontinental title because it'll never be said properly again. It never, it never yeah. will. Yeah. Are you, are you trying to cue me up for something or something to do it? Yeah. No, no, I'm just <laughs> okay. Yeah, you got. But but no, but no. Go, go ahead. One, one time, one time for the listeners at home. Yeah, yeah. Or in their car. Richie said no. No, I said go ahead. Uh, yeah. The, the Intercontinental <laughs> Championship. <laughs> but yeah, like Eric said. Thinks the go. I don't think there'll ever be a ring announcer like him. I remember when he got demoted, like Richie said, and stopped calling Raws and only called pay-per-views. And for example, I hated Tony Chimmel. I hated his voice. Lillian was okay, but I always look forward to the pay-per-views because Howard Finkel will always call, end up calling the pay-per-views until they actually eventually took him off of that, which I wasn't happy about. Then they yeah. and then they threw Justin Roberts in. Like anybody give a fuck about Justin? And if Roberts. you, I don't know if you've seen this. You probably seen this. You remember when he came back? to introduce punk yes at survivor series yeah and he's like having a real moment and the fans are chanting and everything yeah and michael cole michael cole was playing a heel announcer at the time mm-hmm. but if you go back and watch it it's cole and jerry lawler just insulting him yeah, no, like yeah crazy. I, I posted it when he yeah the day he passed but, but you it was a great know moment. you know they're being fed that 
by Vince to just insult him and make like. But meanwhile, he's almost like at tears. Yeah, yeah. Because they, it's just it's fucked nope. up. No, but see, the thing with Fink was, like, I, I didn't really take it that way anytime I saw it. I just took it as Fink's, like, always been a character. has always been, like, kind of a mark for himself on television. So it's like he's just, like, yeah. soaking it all in. So I never really took it real personal. But the whole part of, like, King, I think it was a King Cole. It was a JBL, too. I think it was JBL. It was Booker. It, no. Uh, B- Booker. It was Booker. Booker. And, and they all just started yeah. ball out laughing when Fink's just, like, yeah. smiling and blushing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I want to get on uh, before we jump into ECW, the concept of this year's Money in the Bank ladder match. So you're gonna, it's going to be on the top of WWE Titan Tower, and you're going to start from the bottom floor and work your way up. What are your guys' thoughts right. on this concept for this year? I mean, I guess we have to. It's cool because it's outside of the Performance Center. So no, it's you know what? It's. I don't think. I think it normally would be cool, but I think. I think it's bad timing considering, uh, like, climb the corporate ladder and you just fired a bunch of people. So, I mean, it is what it is. But it really just depends on – it can be a cool concept if they do it right. And it depends on what they do. But I don't have any faith in them to do something that creative. But we just got to see how it plays out, really. It could be cool, but, you know, until until I see it and it's cool, I don't have much faith in it. Yeah. Really, or, or anything they do at this point. Well, I'm going to give them credit for this because I have actually a lot of faith in this because of the way the on-location things that were actually shot at WrestleMania. So I might give, be giving them a little oh. bit too credit, but since they're yeah. outside the Performance Center, they could shoot things differently. Like, I talked to Ron and, and Prep about this, I believe. There's this thing on net, the network called WrestleMania Theater. And the way the matches are shot, even the entrances, is a completely different way. It's more of a theatrical way. And... I think they can actually do that here and not just shoot it as just fighting in in the building, right, and right. getting thrown onto walls, especially yeah. when, you get, when you get to it, the top. It has potential. Yeah, yeah, it has potential for sure. It just depends on how much they care about something. When they care about something, they can make it good. And you can always tell when they just don't care. Yeah, and also the sh- there, there were stu- there was leaked foot- leaked photos of the ring at the top of WWE Studio t- WWE oh, yeah? Titan Tower. Yeah, there were leaked photos of the ring already up there. So I'm not sure if it's already been shot or whatever. Well, but could I wouldn't be. be I wouldn't be surprised if it is. But I have a lot of faith in them because they can also make this like an actual movie like they did both right. the the Funhouse match and the comp. Um, the Undertaker right, and AJ right. Styles at WrestleMania. Right. Yeah. It's true. If they put the same level of effort into what they did with those. But how many people are in the match? Six, seven? Six for yeah, both matches. It, it could be. It's going to be interesting. I, I'm interested to see how they do it. Like how the match starts, how the match ends. But, yeah. It is It is what it is. I mean, the rest of the show is still going to be in an empty performance center, yeah. right? Yeah, but yeah. just the idea I of feel actually like getting they, out yeah. the arena is something yeah. I do appreciate and doing a little bit something different. So I think they should do more stuff out, like because the Raws and SmackDowns are just unwatchable. Yeah, Big. I think. Yeah, I, certain like Rey Mysterio and Buddy Murphy, they had a hell of a match, and I agree well, that was a good match. But it's just so hard with no crowd reaction. It's impossible. It's it's crazy. It's really just like. It's mind-numbing. Like, it's just... You can just tell this shouldn't be going on, but they're just doing it anyway. Yeah, so... 
<laughs> we're we're going to move away from what's going on now. So before we jump into ECW, Barely Legal 1997, if you've never been with us before, we're going to play for you our rating system. in place. If it's a horrible show, it gets a jobber. If the show falls somewhere in the middle, it gets a slumber knocker. And if it is an amazing show, it gets the rating of ratings, it will get a showstopper. Alright, thank you guys. Know how it goes. Uh, jobber, slobber knocker, showstopper. Uh, you know, I'm going to take this first since ECW really isn't my thing, so I'm gonna give this a slobber knocker. You know, I was missing a lot of context of what a lot, some, yeah. t- some things was going on. I didn't, I yeah. knew the Taz and Sabu the show, stuff. yeah. The show is all about context, that's all it's about, yeah. So, <laughs> so it really is like if you just watch this show on its own without the context, it's probably just gonna be a below average wrestling, yeah. Show. Yeah, so yeah, so I always, I always knew the whole Taz and Sabu buildup, I did know that, and uh. There were some things that I was impressed by. For example, like I don't, I never seen Perry Saturn in ECW, so I never really right. seen Perry Saturn unleashed. Same thing as Shane Douglas. I never really seen Shane Douglas unleashed, because 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 he in WCW he you, was whatever in WWF he was it was a little bit before my yeah. time, so I didn't you, know that. Go, with that. Go ahead, Richard. You consider his match here was unleashed? Well, I, not the match. <laughs> oh, this promo, but the promo. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I never, I've never seen that Shane Douglas. Uh, right. RVD as a heel, which I thought was a lot of fun. I'll get to in yeah. a little bit later. But like I said, the context was missed for me. But I did think it was a good first show for their first pay per view. Oh, yeah. I understand the big deal that it actually was. And Richie, I'm sure I have some questions about some of the context I need kind of filled in. So I'm sure you can answer All that right. for me at, All right. when it comes up. So uh, okay. that's my rate. I'll just give it a, show, a slobber knocker because I don't have the context there, but I, I can kind of see where things were going. And when we get to the main event, I'll share one thing that I kind of already kind of put together. But right. uh, Eric, what's your rating for ECW Bill League of 97? Uh, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a high slobber knocker. It's uh, kind of, it's really hard for me not to give it a showstopper, um, but it's one of those. The funny thing for the listeners at home, if they you know have been longtime listeners, this was a show we were going to review a year and a half, two years ago, and ended up not getting the episode out. So I remember watching it for like my fifth or sixth time then, and I've watched it maybe once or twice since then, including this time just uh, now rewatching it. Um, there is a lot of good in the show, but there's just like a, a few little. I guess nitpicks I got about it that just don't make it completely perfect. Um, but yeah, I definitely love it. If uh, any listeners haven't seen it, I definitely highly recommend it. Um, for me, from a like historical standpoint, it's a showstopper. And from a, if you just watch the show on its own without any context or you never watched ECW before, I guess you would, it would just be a slobber knocker. But to take the whole thing into context, because this show is really all about storyline. Like with ECW, it was you had the violence and everything, and you had but like 
the wrestling was kind of secondary to all the characters and storylines. So, like, you could tell from watching this show that people cared about the finishes of the matches. They cared about the feuds. You know, they wanted to see tables and chairs and stuff, and they wanted to see blood, but it's like they were invested in the feuds and the characters. So it, from that standpoint, it's definitely – and all the angles that happened on the show, it's a showstopper, but it's just a slobber knocker from like a total – if you include the wrestling, which it was, I mean was good for its time, but there was some sloppiness and stuff. In some of the matches, we'll get the sloppiness in a, in a little while. Yeah. So, yeah. so to kick things off, uh, Joey Styles welcomes everybody to White Trash Arena, aka the Twenty Three Hundred Arena. Thank you. You're welcome, Pash. Uh, <laughs> and he's interrupted. Go, go yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's interrupted by Joel Gardner, the Dudleys, and my favorite Dudley, Sign Guy Dudley, and uh, they defend the tag team titles against the Eliminators, Perry Saturn and Cronus. One of my this is actually my first time actually seeing Perry Saturn and Cronus team up as the Eliminators, and right. I was I was really impressed by this tag team. Like I said, I never really seen right. Perry Saturn actually able to go because I I wasn't much of a WCW guy and WWF forget about it. They didn't right. let Perry Saturn be Perry Saturn, and I I had a real a lot of fun with this match. And uh, the Eliminators, oh yeah like, yeah the Eliminators they, the Eliminators they looked really dominant. They get the win with total elimination, and they win their third tag team championship. What's your guys' thoughts? I'll start with Richie. <laughs> That, well, that's what the match was. The match was just to, you know, they, the Dudley start with the promo and everything just to get. And then it was just a showcase for the Eliminators. You could tell that that match was just to, you know, the Dudley's got some shit in, but the match was really just to get the crowd started off hot and a showcase for the Eliminators, really. That's really all that match was. Um, so that's that's really all my thought. I mean, obviously, yeah, they were they were the best tag team at, in the, I think at the time period. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Joey Styles put that over. In yeah. Saturday. Like, and they weren't, they weren't slot. Like you could tell, like when you watch the rest of the show, you can tell who's like, even Lance storm is kind of sloppy in this show. Like uh, there's a lot of like sloppy, but the, the eliminators and the, like everything was good. It was perfect. Tag yeah. Match. It was a good match. Yeah. That's pretty much the, you know, picking back off what, what Richie is said you know um this is like an ideal tag team match is an ideal uh, pay-per-view opener um good times dudley's amazing as heels um you know they're just gold as the antagonist in ecw but perfect way to start a show we then cut to a a sandman promo and my god i don't know if he works i don't know if he looked worse now or then because my god he looked horrible he looks worse than that. <laughs> Trust me. Because my lord, the mo- yeah. oh my god, he looked horrible. We go to, we then go to the ring and we get a Chris Candido. He cuts a promo saying that he yeah was that fir- was cool. Yeah, he was one, he was on the first ECW show and isn't happy that he's not on tonight's card. And at some point, he'll make his presence felt. That leads into Landstorm versus RVD. Like I said in my in my rating review, I thought this was a really good match. I thought the fact of RVD always being so cocky. And kind of full of himself, and he in WWF, WWF and WWE, he was always known as a babyface, and he always had like those nice one-liners. But I was actually impressed by actually seeing him work heel in this in this match, even with the high flying moves. Him being cocky actually paid off a lot in this match, and he does get the he does end up getting the win over Lance Storm here. And what was you? Oh, also, I thought he cut up a hell of, hell of a promo post match. Richie, I got I got a question to pose to you. The crowd was chanting that he sold out. Was this when he started appearing on Raw? 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he, he appeared all raw. They all appeared all raw. But he was like showing, he was uh, like had a slant toward, he called himself Mr. Monday Night. Okay. Yeah. Like, in, like in the promo, like he, he's like, yeah, I he's, love to work Monday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, ECW, right before this pay-per-view, they all were all, like, Sandman, Taz, Dreamer, Sabu, they all went on Raw for pretty much promotion for the pay-per-view. Yeah, so was RVD on Raw more than the others? I don't think so, but he was... Uh, well, wasn't he doing, me. like, dark matches? No, or? don't quote me on it, but he was, like, he was... Uh, he might have been doing dark matches, but he was, like pro WWF when he wasn't representing ECW the way the rest of them were. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's why they were say, saying you sold out. Okay. Eric, so, your thoughts on the match? Um, You know, two great wrestlers that, you know, have phenomenal in-ring uh, careers. But kind of like what Rick, Richie said earlier, the match, I don't know, the match just kind of what you would expect from these two. I just kind of felt like there was going to be a little yeah, more I didn't too. like the I didn't like the match at all really I mean it was good the match was you could tell it was probably thrown together last minute there was a lot a lot of thing like a lot of miscue it, it just I don't think it was a very good match there were some good moments in it but it was good because it made RVD look good and based off what would happen later on in the show it set RVD up good for that yeah it, and it's also it's just one of those things like if you read on paper, oh, Lance Storm and Rob Van Dam are going to have a match. So, oh, this is going to be good, obviously. And then you watch that match, you're like, that's not what I thought yeah, I was going to get. Yeah, and, and that- also, I'm surprised nobody mentioned how loud the microphone under the ring was <laughs> for the show. Well, I know Eric, Eric hates that. Yeah. And how about Lance Storm's rat tail? Yeah. Like, you got yeah, it. Richie's bringing him back during quarantine. You got to be killing it. I'm glad you said that because we I, I might have one at the end of quarantine. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, now, but wait, real quick. How funny are the fit? Like, can't you just tell like the fans, like fan, the way the crowd would react to these matches and the way they would like, you could just tell this was all pre-internet. Like this is the way people looked and acted at a wrestling show pre-internet. Oh yeah. It was just like all genuine reactions like people just wanted to say "fuck you," "you suck." Like they wanted just, you to fuck up, and you, you fucked the up. The style of clothes that you see the people wearing, like they just—it's just crazy. Like you, it's just crazy. It's almost like the show's twenty some years ago, but it seems like it was just so much longer ago. Just looking at the way people acted in nineteen ninety-seven, yeah. it was just so much different. Yeah, I have a note on something on about on that in a little while. Next up was. The Michinoku Michinoku Pro Six Man Tag Team Match. I have nothing to say other than this was a hot mess. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, well, yeah, the match was not. I, I was not really a fan of the match. I get what it was. It was just a showcase, but it was pretty sloppy. But do you remember the context of there being an international BWO? Right. Well, it was the same way that there was an international NWO. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but it was just funny, like when they announced, when the ring announcer announced that there's going to be a Michinoku Pro six man, you see all the people in the front row and everything reach for their streamers because they, like, this is like the beginning of like smart fans. Like, oh, we're going <laughs> to throw our streamers and everybody get your streamers ready. We're going to throw them in. We've been waiting to have a Japanese 
contingent on our shows. So yeah, that was funny. And the mat, the match, it was that you could, the crowd was getting a little restless and I don't know if you could tell throughout this whole show, how weak the chair shots were. I don't know if like in the RVD match in this match, the chair shots were just really weak and they would get booed like crazy every time they would hit a weak chair shot. But I could tell at points the crowd was ready to turn on this match, but they didn't just because they had too much respect for the Japanese wrestlers. But yeah, it, it, it was not, it really was not that great of a match at all. Then we cut to a st- something I was happy to see was a uh, Stevie Richards as Big Stevie Cool. <laughs> he right. cut a promo about being in the three way dance to determine the number one contender for the title later on the night, and right. he cut a promo basically talking about he's he, he's coming out of his show for the first time in two and a half years. Stevie Richards, I personally I believe he's a underrated and forgotten promo. You guys have any feelings on Stevie Richards? Yeah, no, he was great, and they, they that he was that's why they put him in the main event at this time. They all had something to do with Raven. That's what like, and obviously, you know, dreamer was supposed to, he gave up his spot to Terry Funk. So really, yeah. I mean, Stevie Richards, he was ready to bring the BWO was hot. Always had Uh, a good look too. You always would just think he would have went farther. It was good. And the people believe like, it's not, I mean, I guess looking back, you could say, okay, if any of these guys is going to get eliminated at first, it'd probably be Stevie. But I think people thought people thought he had a chance to win and face Raven. How big actually was the BWO? Uh, it was like a joke. It, it, it caught. It was definitely just intended to be a complete joke, but it it, it caught fire, and it was it was pretty big. I mean, you could see everybody in the crowd for the most part wearing BWO shirts, but they were never too prominent in any storyline. So you know what I mean? It was kind of like a kind of like a Daniel Bryan yes yeah. or like situation where or before they pushed him you know or like a Rusev day where the crowd loved it but they weren't really too prominent and this was their they finally got into the main event spot with Stevie being in the match yeah. you know mm-hmm. so then we cut to the beginning well next up is the ECW TV title match Shane Douglas with Francine going to defend against Pitbull number two I said in my my review, Shane Douglas, one of those wrestlers I never really got a chance to saw, well, see, and I thought he cut a hell of a promo to start the match. Like, my favorite thing about this was, and Rich, you said this about how this is before the re- the internet really got around. This, right. like, people took this stuff seriously. Like, I love the fact that he had the Philly Riot Squad with him. Because, right, right. because they, they he thought the fans were going to end up attacking him. No, that's not why he had the, oh, it's the not. Riot Squad with No, that, because, uh, the, the backstory to this match is Shane Douglas was in a feud with Pitbull number one, Gary Wolf. Yes. And broke his neck. He broke Gary Wolf's. Well, the feud started because he broke his neck. For real broke his neck as an accident, but they turned it into a storyline. So he broke Gary Wolf's neck, and then Gary Wolf came into the ring with a halo on. I know they showed the footage of that. And Shane Douglas, in like the ultimate heel move, actually grabbed the halo and started shaking them and pushed them down. And that just got like that got so much heat. And then that set up this match with Pitbull number two. And you can see Pitbull number one was sitting in the crowd front row. Shane Douglas starts talking shit to him in the middle of his promo. But he had 
Yeah, it was it was to it was to protect him from the fans, but it was also to protect him from Gary Wolf, who okay. was you know, yeah. I mean and uh oh, and it was also because of the, the whole Rick Rude thing. Yeah, Gary Wolf, who I thought was Rhino for the longest time until <laughs> until I did my homework or before I took my notes. Richie touched on what uh, the whole uh, the whole breakdown of the feud. So later in the match, Chris Candido he makes his presence felt, and then Douglas ends up retaining with a belly to belly suplex. I thought this match was entirely way too long. I was just impressed by Shane Douglas's promo and his heel work. Eric, what are your thoughts on this entire match? And, and I never heard about your thoughts about Shane Douglas. You have any feelings on Shane Douglas? Uh. Amazing in ECW, all his promos, um, probably one of the best champions they ever had. Uh, I think if you had to make like a top five or a Rushmore of ECW, he's really got to be in there just because of his focal work when the company, you know, really, really got his lift off. And he was just so real and believable. And if you just think of anything he did elsewhere, it just it doesn't weigh the same anywhere. Um, like you guys said, the match was kind of too long. It was just kind of, it's one of those things like going into it. You know, again, I've seen it so many times, but so every time I watch it, I'm just like, and you know, I get the backstory and everything, but I'm like, how believable was it actually that like, did anyone actually think in 97 that he was going to drop the title to one of the pimples? No, no, <laughs> I don't think so. No, that's why the crowd didn't really react when the match was over. I don't think they actually, maybe a little bit, but they didn't really believe he will win. I mean, the real swerve was with the Rick Rude thing and Brian Lee, which was funny, which that was, that was a good swerve. But, uh, yeah, I mean, really ECW, you could tell by watching the show, it's really just all smoke and mirrors for the most part. It was really Paul. He like, you could tell this, what made ECW important was the entrances, the entrance music, the crowd. But you don't even get the entrance music. Really? Yeah. You get, it, it was, Ever, when the bell rung, it pretty much all stopped. And then when the bell rung again for the match to end, like it seemed watching the show, you can pretty much tell everything that goes on during the match is kind of like secondary. I mean, they're just run of the mill matches. It was just a brawl. They're just punching and kicking and doing some things here and there. And the, the guardrail fell over. Like it was, it wasn't a good match by any means, but the fans were willing to overlook things like that. Cause they were so invested in the, character and the storyline yeah post-match we got the masked man in a ravishing road robe he comes down makes out with francine who was dtf she put up no fight whatsoever <laughs> and other masks it's not rude rude appears from the crowd and it's actually bulldozer brian lee and they lay out shane douglas well rick, rick, rick rude was one of the riots members yeah riot squad yeah yeah so that I, that was funny because nobody ever thought that was going to be him um yeah, I, I forget. I think Rick Rude after this went to DX, right? Very shortly after. Uh, yeah, because DX, DX starts in the summer. Yeah, yeah. So how long was he actually in, in ECW? Well, this show was in April. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know what he did after this, but he it wasn't for long. So, yeah, not much. But they We didn't cut to Raven. He cuts a promo about the three-way dance tonight and... How he's going to retain the ECW title. Then we go to Taz and Bill Alfonso backstage. I thought this Taz promo was actually really good, especially oh, the yeah. way they ran through all the guys. Taz actually did choke out, and how Bill Alfonso was hitting on how, oh, these guys, like uh, Two Cold Scorpio, for example. 
He was like, oh, well, he's in the big show now, which is the WWF at the time. So, and that led to the blood feud with Taz and Sabu. Richie, I know this is this is your thing, so I'll let you take this for, match first. What are your thoughts on Taz versus Sabu? Well, the Taz versus Sabu is the ultimate of what I've been saying about this whole show up to this point. Like, the feud was so built, built so well, and they kept them af- apart from each other. They never touched each other until this. It was so well built. Like, every episode of ECW TV would be about Taz and Sabu, Taz and Sabu. Like, they built the hype up so much. And you see when they announce the match, when he says, the next match is our second of two main events. People thought, I think at the time, people thought it was going to be the three-way ladder match, then Taz and Sabu, then the winner of the three. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or people thought it was going to be the three-way ladder match, the Raven match, and Taz and Sabu as a main event. So you can see how caught off guard the people are. And the whole crowd stands when they're like, when he says it's the second, this is our first of two main events, and it's the grudge match of the century. And when he says that, everybody fucking stands up and goes crazy because that's how hyped people were for Taz and Sabu because it was it was real like they it's fake obviously but people they everything about ECW is presented as real like real hatred Taz and Sabu really hated each other Taz uh real like it was it was just it was just all good storytelling really I mean the match itself is nothing really to speak of I mean you watch the match it would it hold up today no uh it's there's a lot of missed spots in this one too i mean it, it was a it was a don't get me wrong it was a decent match uh they brawled in the crowd a little bit and stuff but it was not a great match and i i know you'll notice something like this there's no false finishes really there's a couple mm-hmm. but nothing believable you know so it's nice to go back and watch a wrestling show where somebody would do their finisher and that would just be it mm-hmm. Eric. Uh, great match, uh, great feud, um, great ending with a swerve. The, the match is good. This is one of the matches where, you know, um, I think you can find other ECW uh, Sabu matches that may be better. You can find other ECW Taz matches that are going to be better, may enjoy. But this is not like RVD and Lance Storm where, oh, this should be good, and you watch it and you're disappointed. You, 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 I enjoyed it. The matches, it stands the test of time. Um, and it's a roller coaster right afterwards. Also, it just goes to show you how, in when wrestling is good, it's the wrestling that's secondary and the story that's first. Yeah. Because this match was no different than any match really you go see on an indie show anywhere. But 23 years later, people still talk about Taz and Sabu, not because they had some crazy match. It's because of the story. Mm-hmm. So nobody, you know, it just goes to show you how the way ECW at this time was the way you do wrestling and everything you see now is really not the way you do it for the the most part. But yeah, I mean, and the, the, the angle afterwards was, was good. Yeah. You got uh, Fonzie joining them. Taz and Sabu. Yeah. You hit on uh, RVD and Sabu. Yeah. You hit on how the match wasn't that 
that great. It really wasn't, but my favorite part of the match was the the, the, um, the latter portion of the match, especially when Sabu started using Taz's style against Taz's, him yeah, yeah. with the, with the suplexes yeah. and even locked in a Taz position himself. Yeah, I did yeah. enjoy that. And right. post-match, there's a lot of post-match stuff in ECW, which I which I don't really mind, but it also builds stories. So post-match, right. Taz shows Sabu his respect and yeah. says, anytime you want to fight, you gave me the fight of my life, we could fight again. But then as Sabu's trying to... Shake Taz's hand, RVD, who's Sabu's tag team partner at the time, smacks him, starts, he attacks Taz, Sabu joins in, and as you said, Bill Alfonso ends up turning on Taz. What was right, next? Right. What was next? In, in what? I, I, I don't remember what okay. was next. You mean like what was next in the storyline? Yes. I don't, I don't, can't recall off the top of my head, but Taz and, or uh, Sabu and, uh, RVD had a little tag team run and actually Sabu wrestled Terry Funk that summer for the title in the no rope bar bar map born to be wired. So Sabu eventually challenged for the title, but Sabu and RVD had a little tag run, but, um, off the top of my head, I can't remember what happened with Taz after that. All right. Now one more, uh, th- one more thing. Uh, I know you guys know my my thoughts, uh, Eric. I never, Eric. I never really heard you chiming on this, so I'm gonna ask you both the same question. What do you think went wrong with Taz and WWE? Oh God, because my my position is it was over the first night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's pretty much his stance. You know, I guess he thinks he was too rough on an angle, and when he came back through Gorilla, nobody was there. No standing ovation, no no handshake, nothing. Yeah. Uh, sad to say, I mean, Taz is the type of person, it didn't matter how tall or his size or anything, he was so believable as a ass kicker, a monster in ECW. He was a guy that if you saw on the street, you, you wanted to be on the other side of the street. And then he became a, unfortunately, a, you know, a small guy in a giant's world. Yeah. Did you watch the Dino Bravo Dark Side of the Ring? No. It, I was gonna say you watch it's the same thing that happened. The same thing. Dino Bravo was a megastar, and then came to WWF, and they just jobbed him out and uh, just had him do stupid shit that he didn't really want to do, but he did it anyway. And Taz, yeah, he. Uh, it was yeah. They just they decide not to you know they just decided not to push him. Decided to bury him. I do also really? think this is something we reviewed on the show months to. ago, but I mean, I, it's always, uh, you know, extremely odd. They did the the decent thing for ECW years later when Mike Awesome was defecting to WCW and they have Taz go down there, be the hero, a WWF wrestler, win the ECW title, take the ECW title to SmackDown and job out to Triple H and get minimal offense in there. And it's like, why not like have him go and like, have some strong matches against someone, some like a upper mid card guy. But instead I get it. I know it's their champion and, you know, make him look strong, but instead of just like demolishing through him, you know, help build him up. But again, another time they just kind of buried Taz. How long was Taz champion at that time? Because that was the only night he actually showed up with the belt. You mean when he beat Mike awesome? Yeah. A that, couple weeks. Okay, because that was the only time he showed up on, te- yeah. on WWF te- TV with that. Tommy belt. Dreamer came to a SmackDown and beat him for it. Not, not or, or SmackDown. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, he inter- he, Tommy Dreamer interfered in the Helmsley match. 
Yeah, then Taz went to ECW Arena, and Tommy Dreamer beat him there. Okay, okay, so that yeah. clears that up for me. Speaking of Tommy Dreamer, Tommy Dreamer and Beulah come out to do oh commentary my God. with Joey Styles. Show your tits! Who was hotter on this show, Beulah or Francine? I, I don't know. I, I might go with Beulah. <laughs> Beulah had more class. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> just slightly Beulah. Yeah, Beulah had class. I was like, my God, Gorilla. But, yeah. but uh, Tommy and Beulah come out to do commentary with Joey Styles. So first up, we have the three-way dance. Winner faces Raven immediately after this. So it's it's Terry Funk, Steve Richards, and the Sandman. Uh, before I ask your thoughts, have you guys recently seen Beyond the Mat? Recently? No, no but I, I know the whole thing. Okay, so much. basically this entire show, last sh- show and yeah. the last two matches are all yeah. about Terry Funk. And in Beyond the Mat, yeah. the whole Terry... The whole Terry Funk portion of it is about this show. And Paul Heyman says we should all thank Terry Funk for his contributions for ECW over the, over the past few months, etc. So this entire thing was basically about Terry Funk. Because I, I, I actually, it's Beyond the Mat's actually on Netflix right now. And I started watching it a few weeks ago. So I was like, oh, I was like, oh we're going to review in this show soon. So I need to bring this up. So Stevie Rich is the first man out to be eliminated. He never leaves, kicks Sandman, Funk hits a moonsault, and he eliminates Sandman. So now it's Raven and Funk. Raven wastes no time. Dreamer's having a difficult Great time watching. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Dreamer's having a whole hard time watching. If he told Terry, he wouldn't get involved. Raven's calling out Dreamer, and Dreamer's attacked by Big Dick Dudley, who tries to choke Sandman through a table, but Dreamer ends up putting Dudley through the table. And then we get a woman named Reggie fucking Bennett, of all names. <laughs> She, she, she damn near tries to pile drive Funk and damn near kills him. Yeah, she, and, yeah, and I, she I'm, I'm using the word attempt to pile drive lightly because I, I don't know what the hell that was. And then Dreamer hit the DDT on Raven. Raven kicks out and Funk ends up winning with an inside cradle and he is your new ECW champion. I thought the, fin- the finish is weird. Yeah, the, well, Funk just looked out of it this entire right. match. Eric, I'm going to start with you. What are your thoughts on both these matches and in the moment, I know some more about the moment in the story. What were your thoughts on the yeah. whole culmination of all this? Uh, I, I think it's all great. You know, it's, it's really, you have Sandman and Raven as like those current stars who are focal points of the company, helping carry the company. You got, um, Stevie, who's this breakout star and you're, you know, he's, the, the new guy, the fresh guy, the young guy in this. And then you have Terry Funk as the guy that really helped put the company on the map, um, a legitimate world champion elsewhere. And you do get that, you know, proud babyface moment and win after, you know, several heel moments throughout the night and other matches, other storylines. Um, you get the you get him and Dreamer, you know, celebrating together. Um, I, again, I mentioned this when you were talking, I absolutely love how Raven just, you know, Terry Funk celebration music's playing and it just cuts to, um, Raven's music. He comes out and he just starts going right in on the old man. Uh, again, Terry Funk showing his age, the, the ending of the match was a little sloppy, but again, it was more for the moment. Um, can't really nitpick it too much. I mean, I think it was kind of like a, a perfect storm. Yeah, uh, you really see Sandman's like a star. Like, it sounds crazy to say, but the entrance, like, you really see that Sandman is really the biggest star on the 
this whole mm-hmm. show. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I think. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sandman's always been a huge star. That night. Yeah. But that in any type of a joking fashion either. Like he was looked at as a like a real like somebody that like all the jokes were now, yeah, they can't wrestle. I mean, people knew he couldn't really wrestle. They knew he wasn't fucking Dean Malenko or Eddie Guerrero, but, but he was taken Yeah, he was taught, taken seriously. So it was just it was cool to see that. Uh they obviously cut his music out of the show. Uh but yeah, in the the best part about it is that Dreamer can't interfere because Terry Funk told him not to. But then Dreamer got dragged into it pretty much because he got, th- you know, Raven basically taunted him and told him to come down. So, yeah, it was it was good. And, uh, you know, the, the show, I don't know if you know the story, but the, they, they, the show ran right up until it's uh, time on the air. So it just ended. And then like, the power goes out, right? The power went out. <laughs> you see the, the, the last, like, few seconds of the show, some of the crowd is, like, dim because some of the the lights above the ring just blew out, yeah. Okay. Now, so, who, who was the next? Where would Funk go from here? Where would Funk go from here? Or oh, you don't remember? He lost. He, I don't. I don't. I know that he had the. Uh, he wrestled Sabu in a no rope barbed wire match, the Born to Be Wire matches, which is a disgusting match. That summer. I can't really remember. Oh, and then he he lost. He lost the title and went to eventually Chainsaw Charlie. Yeah. Uh, late 97, right? Yep. Uh, uh, whatever the, the, the Raw in the Garden was, right? In the not- Raw, I believe the Raw that Stone Cold stunned Vince, the first one. Okay, Garden, okay. I think that's the one Chainsaw Charlie debuted on. Okay. I'm not 100% positive. But yeah, so yeah, he that's some Baylo memory. <laughs> yeah, he finished up. And Richie, Richie, I have another question for you. Are you buying a big gold belt? No, I will not be buying the big gold belt. <laughs> I really want the belt that Terry Funk won on this show, but that's not possible. <laughs> so. About those belts, were no, those? No, I will not be buying them. No, about those belts, I'm glad. You, I'm glad you said that. Were those basically like WWE belts with just like yeah? Uh, I told stick, I yeah, with magnets, televi- or television titles, like a, a wing. Yeah, you know? no, they were real belts. They're real belts. But I think what happened is, and I don't know this for sure, but if I had to guess, ECW was basically so poorly run. Not poorly run. I mean, it was poorly run, but I think they were like, oh, we're we're getting new belts. We're raw. We're getting new belts, and they were basically probably left it up to somebody, and they all came back as basically winged eagle with the ECW, mm-hmm. inter- and then the, the tag belts are the intercontinental. Because I can't imagine they saw it and signed off on it. Yeah, I'm trying to. Re- I just well, I, can't well, imagine that. That'd be a good question to ask, like Dreamer or something on like Busted Open or Taz, like it, it, or Bubba Ray, just to see like what the why? Because they had older belts, and those weren't ripoffs of anything. Mm-hmm. It was t- the TV title with no side plate. Yeah. So, like, so then, how do you go from having your all original belts, which they were still shitty, and then to not the world? Yeah. Well, to two knockoff 
belts of a company that you're like publicly ripping on TV every week. Oh, and Joey Styles. Oh, Joey Styles. You, the, you, I don't think you can beat Joey Styles in this time period. Just a one man uh, booth. Mm-hmm. I think Joey Styles that during this was great. Agreed. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we word. get to the end of the show and we. Didn't. Oh, actually, Beulah did say one word. Did she? When uh, yeah, when you remember when fucking Sandman goes out and gets the ladder mm-hmm. in the main event and just throws it into the and it hits Terry Funk right in the head, the ladder, like <laughs> a quarter of it. And he's not paying attention or anything. And Beulah says something like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, like yeah. a, it was in like, like a gas. But what about what about the spot where uh, uh, Sandman's going out of the ring and he bumps the ladder and the ladder goes like oh, it, yeah. it almost goes in the crowd. Yeah, it did it, though. They got lucky. <laughs> God, I love ECW. <laughs> so any final thoughts about ECW Bear Legal from you guys? Um, yeah, I changed my rating. Showstopper. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, based off match quality, you could never give it a showstopper, but all everything combined, I think it's definitely a showstopper. Right. And you see like how hyped people were on this just by the cre- the opening, the opening of the show, you just see how hyped people were. You mm-hmm. just you don't see nothing like that now. Oh no, never. You don't see any type of enthusiasm or crowd reactions now like this. No, so, ne- never. It's just, it's kind of depressing, really. Yeah, it was depressing. I didn't see any Supreme in the crowd, but I'll let that one go. Anything well, else? Was... <laughs> anything else from the world of wrestling for you guys? Well, what you do see a lot in the crowd is, I saw a Michael Irvin jersey, yeah, Kerry that. Collins jersey, Kerry Collins I saw from a, Raw. A Brett Favre. I think it's that time frame where like, it was just cool to wear a jersey. Mm-hmm. It didn't even necessarily mean you were a fan of that team. Yeah, it was just popular. Remember, like, growing up? Yeah, like, I remember kids that used to wear Brett Favre, like, Packers starter yeah, jackets. Yeah. But they didn't even like the Packers. Yeah, 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 like, all the black kids either had a Bulls or a Hornets starter jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a, oh, there's a lot of Flyers gear in the crowd Flyers, yeah. and a lot of Phantoms. Mm-hmm. Remember the Phantoms? Mm-hmm. The, the, they just started. This is 97. The Phantoms had just came out. There's a Phantoms jersey in the crowd, a Phantoms hat. I was like, wow. You know, it's just so funny that at like that time frame, you see, you would never see people wear AHL mm. stuff now. No. It's just crazy. It's just never. speaking of speaking of clothes and gear, I, I will forever say I think like the holy grail of ECW merch to me is those. ECW snapbacks that Paul Heyman would wear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Those things are perfect. They didn't make a bad one. Or, or just the original ECW track suits that never got were for sale. Those I, are... I, I forgot. I, 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 I really... I like the first... Ra- what? Go ahead, Richie. I like the Sandman and Raven... Sh- I like the Sand... I mean, I don't drink, but I like all the Sandman shirts. I like the Sandman shirt he wore coming out. And this show, I like the one with the the Budweiser ripoff. I like, oh, the Sabu shirt. I mean, he, that that's half the appeal yeah. of ECW was the, the merch. merch. Merch was good. Who the was merch, the, the music? The way the show was shot. Who was the one that was going? Who? That was going crazy for the track jacket, track suits. There was it was it Hawkins? 
What do you mean? There, there was somebody... uh, Haw- Hawkins, Hawkins, like everything ECW chocolate made. Okay. Because I know he, I, I could have sworn he was asking Dreamer if they actually sold those well, sweatsuits, the tracksuits. No, I oh. never did. Uh, Vince went crazy for the tracksuits when ECW came to Monday Night Raw mm-hmm. and they all showed up wearing all the tracksuits. And Vince said to like JR or somebody else, like, look at them. They look so good. They look like a team. God damn it. <laughs> they look good. Like Vince just was so impressed by that, which is typical. <laughs> yeah, there's only actually two ECW shirts that I would actually want. And uh, I, I think it's the the Alliance ECFNW shirt from the Alliance debut. Okay. And uh, what what's the, the cartoon one where they're all walking, but they're like animated? Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. ECW on it. Those yeah, are the only Team two. Extreme, it says on the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are the one, the only two that actually ever caught my attention that I would actually want. So anything else in the world of wrestling? Anything else in the world of wrestling? I mean, it's... Uh, I'm going to end on a positive note because if I want to talk about current wrestling, it'll probably discourage me. So, ECF and Dub. All right, so... All right, so actually, well, moving on to next week's content, I'm actually going to bring back the, a quarantine series on Sunday. So I'll be reviewing Backlash 2001 with Jason. If anybody wants to join, just let me know. And that'll be available on YouTube on Sunday first, and then it'll be available on download on podcast platforms on Monday. And then next week on this show, we're reviewing Backlash 2004, and uh, if you guys need some <laughs> refresher memory, that's Randy Orton's coming out party against Mick Foley for the well Cactus Jack for the Intercontinental Title, Triple H Benoit and Michaels Part Two, and I think that's about the mar- about it for the marquee matches. But I'm definitely looking forward to that, especially with the whole Mick Foley run we've been on throughout this past year. I, I can't wait to hear Patch's take on. Mick Foley making Randy Orton like You got to do Backlash 02 with Hogan and Triple H. Oh, Lord, that show was terrible. <laughs> that show was horrible. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't, like, you, put myself You were hyped it. on Hogan. I was. Well, he's the biggest yeah, Triple H. I was, too. too. I went and bought the Undisputed title the next day. Did I you really? I went and bought, and yeah, I got the Hogan nameplate. <laughs> oh, you you <laughs> still have it? No, I don't oh. have it no more. He, he's about to have another Hogan nameplate. <laughs> no, I'm about to say, back that show too is terrible. Oh my God, that's a horrible show. Yep. There's like one but. good match on that show. But anyway, uh, that's it for the show, guys. Uh, if you want your wrestling fingers, make sure to head over to Ringside Collectibles. Use promo code MMADNESS for 10% off your order. Uh, what up, Maneuver the Net for your Matt Madness gear. Teespring.com for your boy Elroy MMA podcast gear. And... For Act 2 Fly, Eric Trimbicki, for Richie Edge, I'm Alo Aaron Lloyd, and we will see you next week. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again. Fans mocking man, man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince man, it ain't shake the land off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.